talking from season two episode nine ball of magic fire it is the penultimate episode the episode before the finale so let's get right into it reggie takes boyd and kenny into his house and he says that his wife said she was going to take a nap we see that this is paula and reggie the two people who now live in sarah's old house and as we head upstairs we see that paula is lying on the bed and torn apart from the inside. Reggie says that Paula kept talking in her sleep. Something cracked inside her, and her body and face opened up and released the cicadas. Boyd asked him what Paula said. Paula kept saying, They touch, they break, they steal. No one here is free. Boyd asked if she was still asleep, and Reggie screams that he is fucking sure she was. Boyd rushes off as Reggie continues to sob. Everyone is waiting outside as Boyd exits the house, and Boyd tells Ethan to head home and asks if Julie can stay for just a little bit. Tian takes Ethan back home, and Reggie and Kenny exit the house. Boyd says they have about 30 minutes before nightfall, and he asks what Kenny and Julie if they can go door-to-door while he goes up to the colony house to warn everybody. Julie asks what happened, and Boyd says that something killed Paula. She is confused since it's not dark yet, and Boyd says there's something new and it's not safe for anyone to go to sleep tonight. And Julie says Jim is out at the RV. So, all in all, the cliffhanger for last episode did result in a death. It is another death that we did not see, another non-on-screen death. And now we have a whole new thing to worry about. So. We cut to Jim, asking what the fuck's going on. And Randall says that he saw Donna up at the house, up at the clinic, and she was carrying one of their animatronic monsters. He asks if it was faulty. Donna says that Boyd killed one of the monsters, and Randall says that it's funny how the rules change once somebody catches on to their bullshit. Randall is concerned because he thought this was Jim's idea, and he says that this wasn't part of the plan. Randall then accuses Jim of being in on it. Jim says that his house collapsed on top of him, and then Randall pulls a knife on him, and a gunshot goes off, and Boyd has arrived to the rescue. I would be tempted to call this day as Machina, but we did have Julie say that Jim was out of the RV, so it makes sense that Boyd is going out there to tell him, yo, don't fall asleep. Boyd asks if Jim is okay, and he apologizes, saying that none of this was supposed to happen. Boyd asks who has the keys, because they have about five minutes left of light, and Randall asks if he means these keys, and then throws them into the woods. Randall says they will have to stay the night and see what happens. So we continue to hear the cicadas buzz, as Julie stands outside waiting for Jim to return. And this is a fantastic parallel to Frank's wife and daughter waiting for him 
when he was just passed out drunk. Of course, we know it didn't end up very well for those two, so hopefully Julie and Tabitha are okay. Jade and Victor walk up, and Jade says, Victor told him they cannot sleep tonight. So it's interesting that Victor went and found Jade and relayed the message that I'm assuming Julie told him to tell. It's at least showing that we're talking with each other without specifically having those conversations. Jade and Victor then enter the house. That's right. I said Victor entered the house. So there goes another theory. He's just awkward. Tabitha talks Ethan down from his worry. Then we cut over to Sarah and Kenny, and they are going to the sheriff's station for the night. She thanks him for protecting her, and he says he's not doing it for her. Sarah says things feel different and wrong now. She claims that it felt that way out in the forest, too. The further they got, the more it felt off. She wonders if this doesn't just feed on their pain, but also if those who die have their greatest fears released on the townspeople. She says Nathan hated cicadas and feared them, and she wonders if that is Nathan's nightmare out there and that they are experiencing. We slowly pan over the town and see hundreds of cicadas flying around. That's another interesting theory, and I know it's one that we sort of kicked around last week, was, you know, they, they keep referring to the creatures as nightmare creatures. And so it would sort of stand to reason that they are somebody's nightmare. Somebody that died there released those nightmares. And a lot of the other things that we keep seeing are similar kind of nightmares. When you think about the ventriloquist dummy, you know, Victor had a reaction to it, but did he have a reaction to it because, say, his mom was really freaked out by them? And maybe that's one of the nightmares that got released onto the town. Now, it's not moving or doing anything now, but it's still there. Who knows? But it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind. So we reach over to Colony House, and Ellis walks up to Reggie, and, uh, Reggie is asking, you know, everyone there not to fall asleep. Reggie then asks where Donna is, and Christy says she left the clinic hours ago. Fatima asks what Boyd said to him, and he repeats that no one goes to sleep. Fatima says they need to focus on that, and everyone needs a partner to make sure that nobody falls asleep. Belgian joins Fatima in getting Reggie changed. Or at least out of there, because I don't think he changes clothes at all. But they, they talked about it. Ellis grabs Mari, Mary, and Chrissy follows them up to a room. Jim asks Boyd what he means by nobody can fall asleep. And Boyd says that Julie is terrified and she, he's out here fucking around. Randall tells Jim that he needs to pick a lane, and it's no wonder his family is a mess. Which, of course, causes Jim to attack him. Boyd splits him up and then handcuffs Randall. Jim apologizes to Donna, and he tells, and she tells him that he let Randall fuck around, and now they all found out. Jim offers to try to hotwire the van, and Randall gets up and says he is not going to listen to this shit all night. Boyd tells him to sit down. Randall calls him dumb, so Boyd shoves him against the van wall and says he lost his wife out here, and his friend bled out in his arms, but if he still needs more proof that this is real, he'll go ahead and tie him to one of those trees out there. 
this whole theory of there being a mole and it being an experiment, like, it's not dead in the water, but it sure is looking more and more like it's not the case. And when you have something like most of the people that are there have lost somebody, and most of the people other than Victor, everyone can account for and remembers. Phyllis leads Christy and Mary into the bedroom, where there are shackles on the bed, and Mary asks if this is the freaky sex room. If it is, you brought the right partner. Phyllis explains that night one is often very hard for new people, and Christy says she's going to get some supplies and has Ellis follow her out. Christy asks for some supplies to take care of Mary, and Ellis asks if there is going to be an issue with the baby falling asleep inside Fatima. Christy says she is not that far along, and so that's not actually going to matter right now. She says that there are things that we have to worry about, and the baby isn't one of them. Ellis says that he expect, keeps expecting that the baby is going to burst out of her stomach with claws, and Chrissy says that pregnancy is odd anywhere, and it's just the magic ball of fire. Because during med school, they always talked about how nothing really makes sense, considering that they're just a planet getting warmth from a magic ball of fire in the sky. Sure. Jade and Tabitha look over Eloise's pictures, and Jade asks how you forget you have a sister. Tabitha says the face he made when he remembered was heartbreaking, and Jade picks up a picture of two Civil War soldiers and questions why a little girl would be drawing them. Tabitha says that the soldiers came from a story that their mother used to tell them, and Jade asks why he had a vision about a story some dead woman told 40 years ago. Which is the right question to ask, because is that does that mean Eloise is dead? And she released the Civil War soldiers out there? Or is there more to it than that? I don't know. Tabitha finds a picture of the lighthouse, or a giant penis, and she says that she has had dreams of walking up the stairs of the tower, and she thinks that children might be asking her for help. Sure, if that's your next mission, go for it. Because we've been talking about the lighthouse on and off for two years, and it would be nice to find the scene inside of it. Tian brings in a board game and tells Victor, Ethan, and Julie that they have to play in order to feel better. Ethan asks if Jim is going to die, and Julie says, no, he's not going to die. Ethan then asks if all of them are going to die, and she tries again to put his mind at ease. He says that when Victor was young, everyone died. Victor actually speaks up and says it won't happen like that again. Ethan asks how he knows, and Julie says that things are scary right now, but what would the Kramanakl do? Ethan says that it's not real and it doesn't matter. Victor tells him that his mother used to say that everything is a story. We are the ones who get to decide how it ends. Ethan then asks how Victor's mother's story ended. Did she get to decide that? That's a dick move, little guy. Julie chastises him and Tian tells him to be good. Ethan says he doesn't want to play any games and walks off. Oh, little bastard. You actually managed to get Victor to be nice to you and try to help you out. And then you remind him that his mother died. Boyd drips some bile onto the bullets, and Jim asks about it, and Boyd says if this works, they will all walk back to town. Randall asks what happens if it doesn't work, and Donna tells Boyd to let Randall go outside, since he isn't afraid to. So Boyd offers the gun to Randall, and Jim tells him not to do that. Boyd says that Randall is a big boy, and he can choose. More creatures start to surround the van, 
and Boyd uncuffs Randall. He tells Randall to come back if he has any second thoughts. And suddenly, all the creatures stop. Donna says that something is wrong. They don't just stop like that. Then, over the broken CB radio, the music box starts to play. Mary screams to get the fuck away from her, and she throws a chair against the wall. And Christy runs in and grabs Mary and tells her that there is nothing in here with them. Mary also saw things when she first went through this. Mary screams that Chrissy did this to her. She left, and Mary couldn't eat, sleep, or think. Chrissy hugs her and lets her cry it out. I personally would have thrown her out the window. Mary requests that she be tied up, but not in a fun way. Sarah points out her pin on the U.S. map, and she tells him that it must be painful seeing her every day. Kenny says he doesn't care and doesn't give a shit of what she wants. He calls her a murderer and tells her she should have gone in the box. Sarah won't shut up, and Kenny tells her to shut up. He throws over a chair and tells her not to talk about his dad, and Sarah says no. She has lost everything, and he doesn't get to be a prick. But apparently, she gets to be one. She is tired of being ashamed of who this place made her into. She just wants it to be over. Kenny tells her that there's a spare gun in the top desk drawer, and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Cool. That'll work real well. Reggie frantically rings the bell at Colony House to make sure everyone is awake, and Fatima tries to calm him down, so Alice runs over to help. Reggie then judo throws him into a chair, and Elgin grabs him from behind and takes him away. It's funny how Elgin is constantly, like, just ready to throw hands on Alice's behalf. Randall asks how the radio is doing that since it's in pieces, and Boyd realizes that they are waiting for the music to stop, and now is the perfect time to act. He opens the door and tells Donna that bad shit follows when the music stops. And guess what? The music stops. There is then a thump on the underside of the van. Jim says there's no room under the van for anything to be down there. Eh, I mean, yeah, it's, there's enough room for somebody to slide under there. Boyd tells him whatever happens, be ready to run. The lights in the van then start to flicker, and Randall says, Fuck this shit, I'm out. And he breaks the back window of the van and crawls out. Boyd breaks the door open and lets Donna and Jim out. I guess we're done with the van. Randall starts to run, and the creatures walk after him. Boyd starts to unload on the creatures with his bile bullets, but they have zero effect on him. Boyd then hears Abby call his name. She is now standing in the van as the lights are flickering on and off. Abby says, come back to me. One of the creatures outside screams, and now Abby is gone. Donna screams for Boyd, and he runs out and gets in the truck with them. But they don't have Randall with them. Nope, he's still off in the woods running around. When a group of cicadas fly up to him, and they trip him, then they all start to cover him and go into his mouth. And I guess that's so much for Randall. Kenny walks back in and finds Sarah with a gun. He tells her to put it away. Like, make up your mind, dude. You just told her to kill herself. Now you're like, well, don't kill yourself. Kenny claims her winding up in the box is different than her blowing her brains out. Sarah says that if she was in the box, it would be out of his hands. It wouldn't be him killing her. It would be this place. She says that they will just pretend she's in the box and let this place decide. Her goal here is to play Russian roulette. So she puts two bullets in the gun, spins it, 
then goes ahead, puts the gun to her head, and pulls the trigger. But it clicks. She attempts to do it again, but Kenny grabs a gun from her. So I guess the wilderness didn't decide this time that it was your time. Back at Colony House, Tilly and Elgin are discussing how to crochet. She tells Fatima that she is going to be a great mother. Elgin asks her if she is pregnant. Tilly says she has four kids and seven grandchildren. She knows an expecting mother when she sees one. Elgin seems a bit off, and Fatima asks what's wrong. Elgin says he just remembered his dream. And at that point, Donna pulls up. Still doing this Donna interrupts important information thing? Christy puts some water on Mary and says she is going to get some juice for her. Once Christy leaves, Mary starts to hear a scratching noise, and she hears the cicadas outside, and they start to fly into the room. She can't really defend herself since she's been tied down, and the cicadas claim their next victim, Mary. Christy walks in and doesn't see anything on Mary, and Boyd tries to explain to everyone what is happening. Donna steps in and tries to calm everyone down, and Jim tries to leave, but is then stopped. Boyd tells him not to open the doors, since it puts everyone at risk. Jim says he has to get back to his family, and they are always at risk. Christy then calls out that she needs some help, and Mary is now straight up choking, and her eyes are a little cloudy. Christy asks him to do something, and Boyd says that Christy needs to calm down, and that Mary needs a doctor right now, not a fiancé. Boyd tells the two looky-loos, out in the hallway to get the fuck out of here. Ellis comes in and says that Boyd needs to hear Elgin's dream, and Donna's like, yo, I got this, go ahead. So they go over to Elgin, and he says that he had a dream on the bus, and when Fatima said she was pregnant, he remembered it. Boyd then looks at both Ellis and Fatima, since he's not aware of this yet, and Elgin apologizes for telling him. Boyd puts his hand on Fatima's shoulder, and he's like, no, no, you're good, go ahead. Elgin said there was a boy all dressed in white, and he kept repeating the same thing. Here they come, they come for three, unless you stop the melody. Bakta, who's just there apparently, didn't know she came in, says there was an old nursery rhyme. She then repeats the whole thing again, and Boyd just stares in disbelief. Tabitha tells Jay that everything is connected, and this might be how they get home. They are interrupted by Julie screaming, and Julie is your third cicada victim. She starts to choke as well as the episode ends. So I guess they were uh, talking very literally with the come for three thing. Um, I guess you don't consider Paula to be one because it was just, she's just the catalyst for them to come out. But now you've got the possibility of what is going to happen. Are we just going to lose three people? Are they going to turn into creatures? Is there a way to save them? Like, we got one more episode left, and now we have three people who are close to being dead. And now we have journeys that everyone are going to go on. Tabitha is going to go try to find the lighthouse. Jade is going to do something. And you've got Victor now sort of in town with everybody, and he obviously is more important to this than we thought before. So, there's a lot that built up on it. I think this episode was not quite, not just a stepping stone to the finale. It had a lot of good action to it. And the issue, of course, is the fact that we spent this entire season 
with Elgin in this stupid fucking dream, only to be the exact thing that we've been dealing with the whole season. The nursery rhyme thing. And the cicada thing. Like, was there more to his dream? Probably, because why was it important that Fatima talked about there being, or she, her being pregnant? I feel like there was something with that as well in the dream. But, I don't know. So I guess we'll find out more on the next one. Uh, hopefully, that is. Because otherwise, but we don't have an official word on season three yet. And with the writer strike now, it makes it even more difficult to get any good answers out of that. It sounds like they are going to do a season three. By everything we've seen, their streaming numbers are really good. They're starting to get some looks for awards and for a channel like MGM Plus. That is important. So. We'll see, but until then, thank you for watching, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.